Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. BetOnline continues to be your number one source for all your basketball wagering needs, including pro and college hoops throughout the year. With up-to-the-minute odds, stats, and trends, you can follow your favorite team's path to the playoffs with in-game live betting, contests, and all the best player props. Experience the world's best wagering platform anytime from your desktop or your mobile devices. Head to BetOnline today to become part of the team and remember to use our promo code Believe, B-L-E-A-V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online. The game starts here. All right, folks, this is Jeremy Evans, your host of the California Sports Lawyer podcast. As always, appreciate you being with us. Uh, this is episode eight of season six, and uh, we have two uh, very special guests that uh, have joined the show. And uh, one is Jay Vickers, who is the COO of uh, the uh, Sports Innovation Institute at UNLV or University of Nevada, Las Vegas. He's had uh, intimate involvement with the Super Bowl that occurred uh, just a couple weekends ago. And uh, he has started a new sports entertainment uh, innovation conference called CCON. Uh, so that's going to be fantastic uh, when that launches in, I believe, July. And then secondly, we have Megan Greer, uh, who has uh, joined us. She is Director of Premium Sales at Formula One and is also uh, based out of Las Vegas. Uh, she's the Director of Premium Sales for Formula One Las Vegas Grand Prix. And, uh, of course, just put on uh, the 2023 Grand Prix that occurred uh, first time that's happened in Vegas, I think, since the 1980s. Uh, and there's a 10-year contract for that race. And I believe it's the only race to occur at night at uh, nighttime. So with Megan and Jay, uh, we have both of them joining uh, the uh, the podcast. Uh, this is a part of the um, – we had them come in as a part of the sport management program for uh, Cal State Long Beach. And uh, they were uh, happy and uh, thankful um, we were thankful that they were able to join us and uh, I'm sure they were thankful also, uh, to be there. And, uh, clearly I think that comes through, uh, in the podcast. So, uh, turn it over to, um, Megan and Jay, uh, for this, uh, for this episode. So sit back and enjoy. So Jay, you're the current chief operating officer, uh, for the sports innovation Institute at the university of Nevada, Las Vegas. You're doing some great things there. And uh, by the way, your reputation in a very good way precedes you. Uh, I had some colleagues in uh, Las Vegas that uh, had mentioned you and some of the great work that you're doing uh, in Las Vegas sports and uh, particularly with your involvement with the Super Bowl uh, this uh, this past weekend. And then, of course, uh, Megan, uh, we have you with Formula One, which is probably one of the hottest properties uh, that are uh, that's currently going on. And so again, just a pleasure to be with uh, with both of you. So 
I want to start with you, Megan. Could you give a little bit on your uh, background? So share your path and how you got to where you are today. And then same question for you, Jay. Yeah, sure. Well, it's so nice to meet all of you guys. Thank you again for having me. Um, so I'm also a graduate of this program. Um, I think Jaden said you guys are LT45, which makes me feel really old because I was in 25. I think I graduated 10 years ago this February. So um, you guys are in an incredible program. And uh, I think for me, so I'm Southern California born and raised, um, kind of got my original stint in sports and kind of working in sports in college, um, did an internship at my university. Um, at a small division two school um, in Colorado. Um, and then I got accepted into grad school in Long Beach's program. I worked uh, the Rose Bowl uh, with Long Beach's athletic uh, department and then for LA Live and Staples Center as my free internships uh, throughout my tenure. Um, I got my first job working for the Aspire Group um, at the University of Texas. Um, my general background in education was all in communications and kind of marketing. Um, and I ended up uh, working in sales and service, uh, working over at UT. Um, I was there for a year and a half and then ended up going and working uh, in the MBA with the Cleveland Cavaliers. And then um, my first boss from Texas poached me from Cleveland um, and hired me with Legends and the opening of SoFi Stadium for the Rams and the Chargers. Um, so I spent five and a half seasons with them, um, started as a premium sales manager when I left um, I actually got hired on the team side by the Rams and was running the sales team for them and then my old boss from the Cavs became the VP at F1 here in Vegas and poached me back and came to work from her um, so yeah I've been in Vegas now for almost a year and a half um, working as the director of premium sales um, helping oversee our sales team and then um, I also manage the F1 team relationships with our Grand Prix so I work directly with Mercedes McLaren Ferrari, et cetera, and manage all of their comms, communications, hospitality, ticketing, um, kind of everything that they're doing in Vegas. And that's a really quick synopsis of kind of my background and, and kind of how I ended up here. Nice. And then Jay, thanks for sharing that. And then Jay, uh, Jay, same question to you. Absolutely. Again, thank you for having me tonight. One of the things that I started off at as a first generation college student um, out of uh, Tallahassee, Florida. Uh, football was my mainstay to get me to where I wanted to be. Um, however, my parents made sure my grades were the same thing. So uh, my parents made it very simple. Uh, no good grades, no football. So I kept my grades up and had the opportunity to, to really go to any school in the country during that time frame. And I was lucky to have the opportunity to choose Notre Dame. Uh, played football there, um, worked at our career center at school. Um, learn how to do resume workshops for student athletes and et cetera. And that actually got me into a position where I didn't know where I would go. You know, as a first gen college student, if any of you are, you really don't know what the opportunities are there for you at that time. Sports was not on my mind. So I did what everybody else was doing, which is I jumped into the private sector and got an opportunity with Gala Wines, which is the world's largest winery. I uh, worked for Gala Wines and got recruited by Hershey Foods. And then I got recruited by Pfizer. So by that time, I had lived in four different cities uh, since I graduated. Um, after that, I did have an interest in sports and started asking some of my mentors, what are the guys in the suits doing on the sidelines? What were they doing? And I understood. I started to figure out that these were the people. The reason why I was had the opportunity to get a scholarship to play at Notre Dame was these are people who are fundraisers, people who were selling tickets or 
athletic directors and things of that nature, the impact that they had on young people. And so I had acquired all these skills from relationship management skills from these Fortune 500 companies. And I wanted to see how can I segue, transfer those skills from the private sector to college athletics. If you look at college athletics, you see all these different titles like assistant athletic director or director of this. And quite honestly, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> so it's probably the only um, career path that you'll see titles that don't add up to what they actually really do from that standpoint. Um, so I got some advice from Gene Smith, who was the retiring uh, director of athletics at Ohio State. Um, he made it very simple that revenue generation is where I should go and uh, specifically fundraising. I found myself at Fresno State, hired first by Danny White, who's now the director of athletics at Tennessee. Uh, we did some great things there. I ended up at the University of Arizona, um, UNLV. And then I became the chief revenue officer at University of Wisconsin-Madison. Uh, from there, I, I moved again, and I became the number two at Northern Illinois University. I did make a change in my career path, as my career path was to was the trajectory to become a director of athletics. Um, however, um, you get asked this question at some point in time. I think Dean and Jeremy would know this: is a lot of times we say God, family first. Um, during that time period, I was commuting from Las Vegas to Northern Illinois. And my wife and I had a baby. We started over and had our little daughter uh, a little over six and a half years ago. I decided I wasn't going to commute and I didn't want to move my beautiful wife from Kauai, uh, Hawaii to DeKalb, Illinois. And so Bay Las Vegas are home. I came back here. Um, actually worked for Learfield. I used to oversee Learfield, the multimedia property um, at all the uh, prior institutions that I worked at. Um, I knew those guys very well. Again, it's all about relationships. Um, had an opportunity here at UNLV. Uh, we were very successful, property of the year, made goal, very fun time um, in sponsorships, um, but also started to be recruited by our then president um, as we were looking at the Las Vegas sports ecosystem coming online, if you will, um, here in Las Vegas. And this was back in 2018. And the thought process is as a public institution, um, it's our job to be a hub for all things as it relates to sports, uh, workforce development, um, creating a platform for sports-related research and innovation. As we learned that a lot of our faculty and students were involved in sports-related research and innovation, but did not have a platform or a trajectory on how to, they had an innovation, how do you take that innovation off the shelf and take it to commercialization? And if you are interested in working in sports, how do you, um, what bridge is there to our external entities that were starting to pop up in our city outside of gaming and hospitality? And so we created the Sports Research and Innovation Initiative was what we were called at the time. And I asked one simple question that I think you would ask in an interview is, what's the mission? What's the vision? What's the website? There was no mission. There was no vision. There was no website. This was a startup within our university. Um, I accepted the challenge. Um, as we know what happened a year, accepted the challenge in 2019. We know what happened shortly thereafter. We were in COVID. Uh, we opened back up. And the whole mantra was when we do open up, because there's somebody out there much smarter than me who would make sure that we can get back to whatever the new normal is, uh, we wanted to be ready to take advantage of these new relationships. And that's what we've done. So to date, we are the uh, probably the fastest initiative in our school history to become an institute. So as of December 1st of 2023, I'm sorry, 2023, we're now UNLV Sports Innovation Institute. Uh, we went from three people to now 17. 
Uh, we have been awarded several grants. Uh, we've created the first fully paid internship program in Super Bowl history, as well as I've awarded nearly a million dollars in grants to support sports-related research innovation. And I'm happy to say we're just scratching the surface. So that kind of gives you a little quick intro. I love it. No, thanks for that, Jay. And I think if there's one theme that I can gather from both you and Megan is that uh, you were both uh, willing to sort of move around the country and uh, be available for opportunity. And I think that's uh, maybe something where, where many people miss is that it's this idea of not only having values and having sort of morals and ethics and a, and a sense of where you want to go, but also this idea that you're you're consistent in your vision and you're willing to make those sacrifices. Um, you know, just in looking at hearing about your resumes and in looking at sort of your resumes, I think it's one of those things that um, it's, it's inspiring. So I appreciate, you know, both of you sharing that on uh, the sort of next question. This is something that I think all of us kind of want to hear. Um, you know, Megan, you've just finished. Uh, and of course, uh, Jay, you've just finished maybe, two of the biggest events in the last uh, year or six months. And uh, obviously with you, Megan, with the F1 race, which is the, I think the first race held in Las Vegas since the 1980s. Uh, and uh, I think it was only held there for either one or two seasons. I'm not sure the exact number. And then of course, um, you know, Jay with you with the Super Bowl. So maybe kind of talk a little bit about sort of the growth of Las Vegas in that sense. And, what are, what are some of your takeaways from some of those events? Uh, and then, Jay, if you could specifically also focus on um, sort of not only your involvement with Super Bowl and sort of what the experience was, but also talk a little about your internship program and some of the takeaways there. So, Megan, let's start with you, if you don't mind. Sure. Um, I mean, in general, I think I've worked harder in the last year than I've worked in my entire career, and that's probably putting it lightly. Um I, I've, I'd say it was probably the most unique experience I've ever done. I think, you know, sports in general, I feel like translates pretty universally across if you work in football or if you work in basketball and you work in a marketing department or a ticketing department or whatever career path you choose. Um, but coming to F1, it was kind of like you had to throw the entire like script and everything I thought I knew and understood about sports out the window because it's just entirely different. Um, the magnitude of what they operate off of, um, the fact that they do this across 23 cities on almost every single continent is a major feat. And so for us, it's one thing to host an F1 race, but to shut down a city lot of Las Vegas for multiple hours during the day with road closures and building grandstands. And for us in Vegas and with F1, the only permanent thing um, across our circuit and race is our pit building that we built on uh, kind of the corner of Koval and Harmon. Everything else was temporary, so all the grandstands, all of the hospitality structures, everything that we built, um, the lighting trusses, everything came down literally the next morning. Um, and so just operationally, everything that you had to do working with, you know, the city and the county and the LVCBA and all the hotel and casino resorts and everything like that. So it was very much a collaborative and a group effort. Um, we were a, a pretty small team to initially start off with. Um, I think we were about like 60 of us. Um, so I wore a lot of different hats just even outside of the sales perspective. Um, 
but it was one of the honestly the most rewarding and coolest experiences of my entire life um I think for me the coolest moment was when you heard the when I heard the first car go out on the track I felt like I took a breath for the first time in six months um so it was a, a really cool experience in uh in that standpoint and I think um just everything that went into it all of the collaboration across all the different groups um was something super unique to me and something that I'd never really been experienced with and then coming from like a ticketing and a servicing background to you know having a, a multi-day event versus you know a single game in one night is an entirely different process from an on-sale strategy perspective a marketing perspective um and we were building a brand from the ground up so you know, what's our color scheme, what's um, our identity, who we are, what does our race mean, uh, how does that tie into Vegas and the history and the culture and all those different things. Uh, so getting to see all those things kind of built from the ground up is a really unique opportunity and not necessarily something that you get to be a part of a, a long time. And I may sound like a broken record because I feel like I've been very fortunate to do that a couple of times in my career um, with, you know, the Rams so fine kind of opening that stadium and then moving back to LA. But um I think for the city of Vegas, it was a really cool thing, a really cool experience. Um, and something that, you know, we're hoping to do even bigger and better kind of going into this year. I am still very much on the newer side to Vegas, so I probably can't speak too, too much. So I'll leave this to Jay in terms of kind of, you know, where it's grown since then. I do know, like for myself, I had an opportunity a couple years ago to actually be a part of the Golden Knights for their inaugural year. Um, but I went to the Cavs instead. Um, so it's kind of ironic that I ended up living in Vegas anyways, like seven years later. Um, but just from even that standpoint to, you know, now the Raiders being here um, and even just events in general, like in a 60 day span, Vegas hosted F1, uh, the rodeo, New Year's Eve, CES, the Super Bowl. Like there was multi events that brought over 100,000 people to the city um, in a short period of time. So just all of that happening in the same window was a wild ride as well. <laughs> wow. And it's a 10 year contract, isn't it? With, with Vegas and F1. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's for 10 years. I mean, it's so fantastic. And what a, what a spectacle to be able to watch that on TV or just to be there in person. And, and of course, you know, it's only going to get better, right? Because you're going to, everybody's going to learn from the first one and go on to the next one. And, and everybody's going to wonder why, why didn't this happen before? You know, um, obviously this, the growth, the growth of the city has changed a lot of that, but so Jay, uh, and thanks for sharing that Megan. So Jay, same question to you, you know, the experience with the Super Bowl, uh, some takeaways from that. And maybe if we could talk a little bit about, um, your internship program as well. Absolutely. So first and foremost, let's, let's really talk about the, the city of Las Vegas. So one of the things that we're experiencing in our lifetime, I think, is a sports renaissance. As Megan mentioned, she's been to different places, and it's either they opened up a new stadium, they built a new stadium, uh, but there was already sports teams there. The only sports teams that existed in Las Vegas were the Running Rebels, and they've had a tremendous brand for a very long time. And I think now to look back and, and look forward ahead, we realize that there was something unique happening we already had a homegrown sports and entertainment giant in UFC. Um, when you think about ultimate fighting and things of that nature, but there was something more coming and that to be in a situation or be in a city where in less than six years, you have a Stanley cup championship team. You have a two time WNBA championship uh, basketball team, as well as um, you have the growth of the Raiders and how you've seen just with a move, 
how their brand has just exploded even more. And, and it's an iconic brand by itself. And so the things that you're seeing as it relates to fan engagement, as it relates to marketing, sales, and et cetera, have been off the charts. And it's simply because we're already an entertainment capital of the world. And now when you throw in the sports aspect of it, that changes a lot. And when you look at tourism, we've always been high on tourism. So now when you look at even these, the, um, today's economy across the world, tourism, sports, and entertainment alone make up 13.7% of the GDP. So that's every yen, euro, peso, dollar, everything spent in the world, sports, tourism, and sports tourism and entertainment make up 13.7% of that, of all the world's money. That's how we are spending our money across the globe. And to think, considering that UNLV has the number one hospitality school in the country, we're number one for tourism, we're renowned for entertainment, and we quickly have set a flag in the sports world, thanks to F1, the Golden Knights, the Raiders, the lights, the aces, all the different sports teams, and whoever else decides to move out here because we don't know if the A's are coming or whoever is coming. Um, from that standpoint, um, our one of our um, VPs and director of VP of Economic Development, we have kind of coined that the fun economy. You want to have some fun, you come to Las Vegas. Uh, we That's where we kind of have that, that one pitch where we can say it all happens here from that standpoint. So then to have the Super Bowl go off as flawless as it did, I think people need to really understand how that how that happened. I met Sam Joffrey, I want to say, a little over 18 months ago, who is the um, CEO of the Las Vegas Super Bowl host committee. I didn't know this. I'm not sure if you guys know, but typically if a city is awarded a Super Bowl, they get at least a three to four year planning period to host that Super Bowl. Well, we got 18 months. So for them to already say this is the best Super Bowl that they've already been involved in, and those words that came out of Roger Goodell, as well as others at events that I were at last week, they did it in 18 months. They, pr they brought together so many wonderful people. The community supported it. Uh, all the stakeholders from Las Vegas said, hey, we need this to be so, and it needs to go off uh, better than any place this has ever been. And that's not the knock on anybody else because the Super Bowl is always awesome. But not only was it an outstanding game, it was an outstanding experience for all those that was involved. And so from my point of it, um, one of the things that Sam asked me when I first met him, and this was day one that he landed in Vegas, is, hey, I want to hire some students. So imagine this, they want to hire you guys and, and come in and be part of the Super Bowl host committee. First thing we asked and supported our students is what is your budget? And he told us what his budget was, it was $100,000. He wanted to hire 40 students. And we said, well, that's not going to cover 40 students over 18 months. And then I, he, we talked about it some more. I walked him outside and said, look, let me, you know, once you'll learn if you're in athletics, you got to take, you got to have some speed of the game and take advantage of opportunities when you have them. And I said, hey, let me just talk to you real quick about why we're asking about the budget. Two-thirds of our student population at UNLV is non-traditional students and first-generation students. And also with the most diverse school in the country for the past five years running. So if you want, I better pay them. Because if not, they will take a job on the strip or they'll work at a start of possibilities that they may have to take over. 
And he didn't really understand that aspect of it. So when I, I pitched it to him, I said, what do you suggest? Because we need good people. And I said, well, how about we do a matching program? Uh, the NFL Foundation has been very adamant about diversity, equity, and inclusion. And maybe they'll match your 100,000, knowing that if you throw a rock on our campus, you'll find the uh, very quickly. So what they've never done, done that before. Well, next day, they said they'll do it. I took the same proposal to United Way of Southern Nevada, and they matched it at 200000 So we raised $400,000 to support our students. Uh, we hired 40 students, paid them $25 an hour, as well as um, if it's an approved class for internship, we pay for three tuition credit hours. So that's why it's the first fully paid internship program in Super Bowl history. It's also considered a program and also a program they may try to continue in other Super Bowl cities. So we definitely set a standard as it relates to that. But the other part that was more important to me past once we got that situated is the experience. The students got the opportunity to learn exactly how do how does a how does a city bid on a Super Bowl, and what are the requirements of it, and what do they owe back to the city? So they had to read the whole pamphlet and sign NDAs, and understand what that was for their first week on the job. And every semester we switched out students so we could get as many students involved as possible. Um, several of those students came back. They worked the Super Bowl, and but they sat in rooms with Roger Goodell. They sat in rooms with other NFL executives, other stakeholders in our city that were supporting um, the biggest event that has ever hit Las Vegas other than Formula One. And so they had the experience of a lifetime, and that all goes in their resume. So um, my involvement was recruiting students, hiring students, um, recognizing great talent, being supportive, but then also bringing other events to our campus and just activated that across the board. And so we have an intercollegiate and professional sports management uh, program as well that's only two years old. It went from four students in the first year to now we have 70 students and we can't keep up with the pace. Because now we have students, thanks to this internship program that have worked Formula One, Raiders, Knights, UFC, Aces, somebody, and the Super Bowl, so by the time they grab those are six opportunities they could put on their resume, which I think is unbelievable and doesn't happen in too many other cities. So that's the impact that I've seen the Super Bowl has made for our university, but also for our students. Wow. No, that's fantastic, Jay. And I, I love the tenacity to get that done. And, uh, you know, initially when you got the no answer or sort of the, you did, they didn't know answer, you were like, well, let's get this done. And you got the money in and, uh, what a what a great success story and a great thing for the students. So I appreciate you sharing that. And I imagine both of you are uh, tired <laughs> after F1 and the Super Bowl. And uh, I'm not sure, Megan, if you were around for the Super Bowl this past uh, weekend, but I'm sure, uh, you know, if you're living in Vegas, clearly you were affected by it. So uh, that's fantastic. All right. I'm going to switch cities a little bit and talk about Los Angeles and, you know, obviously you had these two major sporting events that just happened in Las Vegas, right, with the uh, F1 race. And then, of course, uh, which I think the F1 race was one of the first or the only one that's at nighttime, which was pretty fantastic. Uh, but you had this F1 race and obviously the Super Bowl. And with the growth of F1 and obviously the NFL continues to grow, uh, we're going to see a lot of these things happen in Los Angeles as well over the next 
um, you know, five, uh, five to 10 years, national championship games. Uh, we're obviously going to see uh, the Olympics and the World Cup. Uh, what are what is your sort of advice for folks wanting to get involved in some of those programs? Jay, obviously you mentioned your internship program, uh, but maybe sort of putting the student hat on, maybe think about maybe how some of these students can get involved with some of these opportunities. And I'll start with you, Megan. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously internships are, are, are a great way to go. Um, I think volunteer programs are great. I think the benefit for some of the larger scale events like that is they're always looking for willing and able bodies to help with stuff. I mean, ourselves at F1, like we hired, I think, 80 race week staff to help from a like a premium service standpoint that, you know, helped me with the teams that helped like oversee some of our most premium areas and uh, were hired for that race week. And, you know, thankfully had a lot of enthusiastic um, people looking to do that. We had people applying from out of state that were willing to come and work in Vegas for the week to just to be a part of the race for the experience. Um, so I think, you know, there's great opportunities in that standpoint. I think word of mouth is a huge thing. Um, if my background of how I ended up in most of the positions I am, isn't, uh, a really clear alarming indicator that networking is the way to go. I've, I've kind of worked amongst the same leadership most of my entire career, um, and just kind of staying in touch with those people, um, you know, talking to your mentors, asking people if they know people to make introductions for you. I think one of the the coolest things about sports is we are a very small and tight knit community. And if you don't personally know someone who works for a team, you probably know somebody who knows somebody. Um, it's kind of usually the way I've learned. It's kind of two de two degrees of separation. Um, and LA is a huge marketplace for that. I think you know similarly with you know two of every single um, team in each of the major sports. Um, there's no shortage of opportunities or people to meet or ways to get involved um you know even on the collegiate level also like i think you guys are doing yourselves the best thing that you can by being involved in a program like this that has incredible connections that does internship classes like this to teach you how to go about doing things how to do an interview process how to be a part of all of those things and so i think just um usually utilizing any resources you can like linkedin's obviously a great one um, people do great jobs about posting for stuff. Um, those would probably be like my, my main things. I, again, I think on the larger scale events, you're going to look for people looking for, for help. Um, so just being aware and always keeping your eye open to things. I think one other piece of advice would just be don't assume any role or option or anything is too small. You'll never, you never know who you'll meet and whatever opportunity that you get to, you know, take advantage of. If you have I had zero interest in sales. Like I very much like always associated sales with like being a telemarketer and had zero desire to ever do anything with it. And my entire career ended up blossoming because of that. And so I think, you know, if there's, if you're not interested in marketing, but there's a cool option to try something new, I think you may surprise yourself in some instances on if that's something that you would even want to do or could be interested in. And so no matter how big or small the opportunity is, just getting to put yourself in that position is the best thing that you can do for yourself. So never overlook anything because you think it's not what you want to do or not doesn't have that sex, sexy appeal to it that, you know, screams, this is really, really cool. Cause you, again, you may never kind of maybe surprise. So this would be kind of like my little tidbits for you guys. Thanks for that, Megan and Jay, same question for you. Um, what are some ways some folks can get involved uh, with some of those larger events like that? 
Well, I tell you what, Megan hit all the all the right points. Um, we saw that a lot as far as people reaching out via LinkedIn or emails. Uh, even those that weren't enrolled in school already, they heard about different programs and they wanted to just reach out. So don't be afraid to send a nice email or connect with someone on LinkedIn. Uh, you'd be surprised how many people in positions uh, want to. They were just like you, so they want to help. They they want to throw the rope over and pull you over. They want to help out. They want to be mentors. Uh, but you got to be willing to be a mentee as well. And I think Megan said it right when she said, don't be afraid to try something new. We've had different GAs uh, and interns at our department where they were like, oh, I've never done marketing. I'm not going to do, I'm not going to do social media. And they ended up doing that. They still wrote their sleeves up and did it. And one um, GA in particular, never done it before, but now he's a director of marketing for the National Youth Sports Program for the state of Nevada. Um, because he just did a great job. He just went in, had an open mind, learned from others, and wanted to understand how can I get better at it, and ended up loving it from that standpoint of, um, when he graduated. So I think those are the type of things you have to be willing to do is think outside the box and be pleasantly persistent. You know, let I people like know your interests and in what you're doing. Um, we, we hired, we had people interview two or three different times for the for the host committee. And I say, look, if you want to get to know them, then volunteer at the events. When they send out a, a post that say, hey, we're looking for volunteers, show up. But don't just be there. Introduce yourself. You know, come in and, and ask questions. Be curious about what you're doing. Because um, as Megan stated, everyone wants an able body in mind, right? To move something, do something this way, pick up a chair, you know, help put together some sort of placement. But are you taking that opportunity to get to, for them to get to know you and you get to know them? And once that happens, that makes the interview process much easier for both, for both sides. Because now there's a familiarity with you, you with them, and it just works out really well. Again, this is a relationship business. Um, that's Sports 101. It's all about relationships, no matter what job you're in. People want to hire people they know and people they like. So that, that would be probably what I would add to that. I think Megan really addressed that really well. No, thank you both, uh, Megan and Jay. I, I, Jay, what was that line again? Pleasantly persistent? Yes. <laughs> I love it. Pleasantly persistent. That's good. Yeah. That's good. I like that. Um, so I appreciate you both sharing that. That kind of leads into the next question, which is about networking. And I remember when I was in law school, um, you know, there's this idea. Somebody, I think, had approached me and said, oh, you know, uh, you do really well at these networking events. How do you do that? And I, And I sort of kind of took a step back and was thinking, well, you know, really it's just about being genuine, you know, like I go to these events because I have friends there, colleagues there, people I want to meet. And, and I would love to get, you know, both of your insights and whoever wants to go first, Jay or Megan, uh, sort of what's sort of the biggest trick in networking or is there one? Uh, I'd love to hear your feedback on that because relationships are so important in meeting people. And Jay, you talked a little bit about that when you were saying, not only show up to the events, but introduce yourself. So I'd love to get both of your um, uh, insights on that. Um, okay, I'll go to start. I think first and foremost, authenticity is is really important. Um, yeah. Walk up to people, being authentic, um, not pretending to be someone you're not, and understanding what your goals are. Um, I know when I'm going to different networking events, um, that was the first step is making sure that I wanted to introduce myself to people 
and I dress for the occasion. I think that's important too, because you're there looking for a job, you're looking for opportunity, um, or you're just looking to for a mentor. So understand your goals going to a networking event. Are you looking for a job? Are you looking for a great mentor? Are you looking for advice? Then if you and if you know the people that are going to be there, don't get caught up at all the hoopla. Uh, networking events are fun, right? Because typically. I know some of the ones Meg and Jeremy and Dita we've gone to, there's there's food, there's different things going on. Um, but have a plan. You know, there's if you want to meet the person from Nike, make sure you go meet the person for Nike. Then check that off your box. Right? If you want to meet the person from this university, make sure you meet that person, you know, before you do everything else. It's okay to have a plan about what you want to do. Then once you accomplish that, then you can move on to everything else that may be of interest to you and start doing some organic, sorry, my daughter's here. Over there, babe. No, no, <laughs> uh, you could do some or. <laughs> hey, bring her, bring her on. Let's ask her some questions. <laughs> that's, that's nothing with the little work-life balance. So here you go, sweetie. You can say hi. Yes, sweetheart. Okay. Babe to Noah. Okay, can you go eat your pizza? <laughs> Hey, you know, that's staying in. But if you, <laughs> if you, if you in. don't have your family involved in sports, then it doesn't really matter at this point, right? So you got to have a little fun with that. But anyway, yeah. I would say if you're – make sure you're organic in your approach. Have a plan when you go out and do some networking. I think that's really, really important um, as you go out. And I think that way you can accomplish some goals while you're there. But at the end of the day, I've always felt if you're authentic in your approach, um, you're dressed for the occasion, that seems to work out really well. No, I love that. And thanks, Jay. And thanks for bringing your daughter on too. <laughs> That's awesome. Kids are the best. Um, all right, Megan, uh, same, same question to you. What are some, what are some tricks in networking or some, some insights you might have? Yeah. I mean, I think Jay hit on a lot of the things. I think the other things I would add is like be intentional in the way that you go about your conversations as well. Like if to his point, if there's someone from Nike that you really want to meet, like make sure you've you know, whether you've researched that person or you, you know, you have something to bring to the table to the conversation because it's different from just saying, hi, my name's Megan, nice to meet you versus having an intentional conversation and, you know, understanding what it is that you want to get out of that. I don't necessarily think there's like a trick to, to networking. I think it's just, you know, be open, be engaged, be listen as listen more than you talk. I think in my opinion, the more that you can absorb in those situations, I think is sometimes really beneficial too. If you don't meet a ton of people, you may hear, of, you know, you may overhear conversations or be in a circle where they're talking about upcoming opportunities and things that you may not have just heard or seen or something um, in that standpoint. And I think come prepared, like bring your business cards, you know, today's point, make sure you're dressed appropriately for the occasion. Obviously, um, I think especially in sports, I think a lot of our activities revolve around food and drinking. So obviously, like, make sure you're representing yourself in a way that, you know, you're, you're remembered for the good things, not the bad things when you're going to, to those types of events. Um, I think I, in general, I'm a very outgoing person. If you're not someone who's like that, bring someone with you, bring someone that can help you and make you feel more comfortable in a situation. Um, I think, if it's someone else from your class or whatever, I think those opportunities are good as well because it can be intimidating sometimes to be in a room with a bunch of people that you don't know. So if you have someone there that can kind of help you feel a little bit more comfortable in that way. Um, and I think just in general, like, um, yeah, I think that pretty much hits my main points. <laughs> I like it. That's good. That's good. Um, well, thank you yeah. both for sharing that. 
Um, I guess switching gears a little bit, both of you work for, I would say, arguably uh, international brands. I mean, F1, by nature, the fact that you have, you know, races all across the world, as you mentioned, uh, you know, Megan, but obviously the NFL too. I mean, there's this growing international business with the NFL games being played overseas. There's talks about, you know, a game being played in, um, you know, obviously, uh, uh, Brazil games have been played in, you know, Germany, uh, in London, maybe talk a little bit about, uh, you know, and you both represent really big brands, you know, obviously, you know, Jay with, um, you know, with the center that you're working with and obviously UNLV, one of the biggest, you know, brands and only growing because of Vegas growing and the great work that you guys are doing, but maybe talk a little bit about representing those brands, um, you know, in terms of, you know, how you carry yourself or sort of what, uh, is there a sort of any added pressure when it comes to working with big brands that way? And then, uh, maybe talk a little bit about also some of the international exposure, um, you know, folks can get into and, uh, uh Jay, I'll start with you on that. Yeah. You know, one of the things that you, you hear when you work in, uh, sports, especially these type brands is that you're always wearing a badge. Right. You hear that quite a bit because that's how people know you. Um, that's how they interact with you. And whether you like it or not, uh, some of these, let's, let's talk intercollegiate athletics. Um, you know, a lot of these big brands are not in the city of Las Vegas. You know, they're in South Bend, Indiana or Tuscaloosa, Alabama or places, places like that where you are the star of their city because you represent something that they are very passionate about and that they love, you know. Um, you have the international folks that came here for Formula One. You know, they were just so excited, Megan, as you know, they were so excited just to be in Las Vegas. But if they would meet at Megan, they're like, oh, my God, I just met someone that works for Formula One. I mean, you're 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 surprised um, how that happens. Uh, I found myself signing footballs and doing Super Bowl week. And I'm like, I haven't signed an autograph in over 25 years and you <laughs> want me to sign an autograph. Um, but that's 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 just what. The love of sports, how it brings people together, but it also brings a lot of attention. And so that's something that you have to be aware of and you need to have awareness of that. And so although you have access to a lot of different things and a lot of different opportunities, uh, whether it's parties or uh, big games, big events, things of that nature, um, the badge never comes off. And you need to make sure you represent that brand in a way that you want others to represent it. You know, the way they look at it. Um, with a lot of uh, interest, uh, but also with a lot of honor. You know, people respect their teams and they respect those brands. And that's how you should carry yourself as you go around. But that's based on how you dress, how you act, how you talk to people, how you approach different things. Those are very important in that, in that aspect. Um, and you can let your hair down when you go home, you know, or around your trusted friends. But when you're out publicly, that's not the time to do that. That's That's the time where no matter if you're at the pizza shop uh, or any place else, people are going to recognize you. And, and you know what it is. You're going to go out wearing your gear anyway. So, so you're going to represent wearing your gear. And people are going to notice that. And there's certain gear people know you did not buy that from, from mm -hmm. Roth. You know, you got that from, uh, from your department. I think those are the type of things you have to think about uh, very quickly. So, Love that. Love that. Megan, any thoughts on that same question as to representing your brand and uh, maybe folks, how folks can get involved in the international scene? 
yeah, I mean, I think, I think it's interesting. Like you take a formula one, which is, was primarily like a European sport that is now is branching and kind of finding its way into the U S where, you know, with us and the NFL and American football kind of trying to do the reverse. I think, I think there's excitement around any sport that's not familiar in a certain area, but it's just, you know, you have to take the time to kind of build upon that. And you know, can you get that level of excitement? Can you expand a 33rd team or whatever and have like a UK based team? Like, would it survive? Would it thrive versus just, you know, a couple of weekends out of the year, you have, you know, everyone that wants to come and support whoever they choose to uh, support for that game um, in that standpoint. And so I think F1 is unique in the sense of there's a lot of different ways that you can get involved. I think F1 is kind of unique in a sense as well that you have F1 as, as a conglomerate and as a, as a general thing, but each race is an individual promoter who puts on that race themselves, who has a separate staff that's not necessarily F1 like headquarter related. Um, and so you have races, you know, across all the different countries and the different cities um, and things like that. But then you also have like the catering companies like aren't necessarily F1. They're a third party as well. Like there's a uh, a caterer that's used by almost every single F1 race called Delco and they're based in um, where are they based? like Austria or Switzerland, I can't remember. And like their staff flies all around the world and goes to every single event, but it's, you know, more of a catering based position or a hostess uh, type position. And so I think it's kind of, you know, unique in just understanding what different opportunities are there under what kind of category it may not necessarily be like a marketing role or something else. Um, so I definitely think there is a lot of opportunity there. I think obviously you have to be willing and able to want to, to uproot yourself and to go live somewhere else if it's internationally. Uh, but I think there are cool opportunities that, you know, with um, Premier League soccer and different things like that, I think you're seeing that upon on the rise and um, obviously growth in women's sports and everything too. So I think there's a lot of different opportunities and, and things there that can be really interesting. Um, and just, I think you'll continue to see that grow um, in the coming years for sure. Yeah. No, I appreciate you both sharing that. I, you know, both of you work with, um, you know, high profile people, celebrities, um, high profile business people. Uh, and it's something that, especially in the sports and entertainment spaces, is something that m many of us has, have a grown, uh, you know, quite accustomed to. Maybe talk a little bit about sort of navigating that, uh, navigating personalities and sort of, and you mentioned this in the beginning, Megan, about, you know, uh, sort of, having to work different jobs and having to work different, uh, avenues and, and not necessarily always being the CEO of something, you know, it's, it's sometimes you're picking up the trash and sometimes you're brokering the biggest deal. Uh, so maybe talk a little bit about that sort of the idea of humility and working with, uh, high profile folks and having how to navigate some of that. And, yeah. and that also, and either one of you can start. Yeah, I think, I mean, obviously, especially in sports, like, especially on the bigger stages, um, like I, my, my fun fact for F1 is I rode in the elevator with Patrick Dempsey and I was like, wow, this is really cool. Um, but I think, nice. it, you know, I think at the end of the day, it's one of those things where like I had a million things running through my mind and I didn't even actually recognize that it was him until like I was getting off of the elevator. Um, but I think in those standpoints, like, Obviously, having a level of professionalism, um, you know, you never, unless they, 
I feel like it's really rare that they would offer, but usually most places will ask you like not to ask to take pictures with people because at the end of the day, they're, they're a person as well. They're there, whether it be with family or colleagues or whatever, there to enjoy the game and the experience. Um, and so, you know, from that standpoint, coming into a situation like that, you want to be able to just try to have as normal of an experience as possible. So if you're helping cater in their suite, if you're helping escort them from one place to the other, um, just, you know, keeping that level of professionalism, being respectful um, and and those kind of things, because you will come across them all the time. Um, I think the more that you're around it, I don't know if numb necessarily is the right word, but it's it's not as big of a deal the more times that you encounter. Um, I'm sure everyone will have their like celebrity that like they'll be starstruck and speechless in front of it. I think we all have that one. Um, but as you kind of go about, there's some things that from the outside are really cool, but then eventually just come become a part of your day to day that you don't necessarily, you won't think about them as much. You'll see someone, you won't really think twice about it and you'll just go about doing whatever it is that you're supposed to execute in that moment. Um, at least that's kind of how it's been for me. Um, it's still cool to see people and kind of see the excitement um, with them coming, especially like in an F1 situation, like our first race, like it was cool to see everyone's, ex- you know, interactions and reactions to everything that we kind of had going on but at the end of the day you're also running around doing 25 million other things on a game day or an event day or whatever it is um but i think in general just you know keeping as much professionalism as you can and trying not to to oogle over celebrities and things as much as possible yeah i love that that's good that's good jay any other thoughts on that i know you're running around with some celebs too what kind of advice you got well you know these celebs <laughs> These celebs are one thing, but from our world, funding uh, revenue for scholarships, um, supporting the building of buildings and things of that nature. So um, where I've been at at different places and had the opportunity to oversee those areas, what I wanted to show was whether you were a GA, uh, an intern, um, a, a new employee, you know, your first big job, I wanted to let everyone know that we're all part of a team. So whether we were getting ready for a um, an event prior to a game, a tailgated event, I would show up um, at the at the tailgate, help them set it up, and they would look at me and say, "What are you doing?" I'm going, "We have an event. You don't have an event. We have an event. So we have to work together." So regardless of what position that you're in, that humility is very important, and that's how you get others who want to work with you, right? I I get that from playing team sports all my life, where everyone ha- plays a role in the success. The other quarterback may get the, the accolades, the things of that nature, but if, with no offensive line, that quarterback doesn't complete a pass, right? And that's really how that works. Um, one of the best stories I have is one of the t- who's now the top donor, one of the top donors in athletic history at Wisconsin. Um, I had one of my colleagues who was working with this donor and typically you find some people they want to get involved they want to say what their title is and do all those type things i walked in i set up papers i i grabbed coffee the first two or three times and then the last time at their house as a matter of fact in arizona when we played arizona state um the donor came up to me and goes i i just heard you're the boss i'm like no we're on the same team no 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 i heard you're the boss you're the big boss I was like, no, we're all the same team. Jay, I'm giving you a compliment. I've met you three, four times. You've grabbed things. You've done this. You've set up papers. You went and grabbed coffee for us and water. And not once did you say that you were everybody's boss. But everybody here, with the exception of Barry Alvarez, reports to you. 
And we did not know that until now. And I go, that is true. But at the end of the day, it's my employee's time, it's my teammate's time to shine, not mine. And I think that's where you get people really excited about what you're doing. And they understand that the that you do care about teamwork. You do care about the people that you work with and your teammates. And those are the type of leaders I would that I've always aspired to be. But those are the leaders that have really uh, stood out to me in my career. Type of heroes I like and the celebrities I like are dealing with donors and those type of management. I love that. I love that uh, uh, humility from both of you and and the ability to to be adaptable. And uh, it's just it's awesome to hear that. Um, so we've got a few minutes left, and I. I want to uh, close with a couple questions. Um, one, Jay, if we could talk a little bit about your conference that you have coming up in Las Vegas in July, uh, and then um, and then Megan, I'll have a follow up question for you. I'll be quick here. Um, so, CCON uh, stands for Sports Entertainment and Innovation Conference. So, we're taking the best of both worlds that we do in Las Vegas: sports and entertainment wrapped in innovation. Um, it's one, it's one of a kind of conferences, really first of its kind. Most conferences in sports are siloed in nature. They focus on like data analytics or sports performance or, or wherever the case may be. Here, we want to be nimble and be able to, uh, focus on today's hot topics. And today's hot topics span from diversity and inclusion to sports innovation, technology to, um, obviously leadership, NIL, transfer portal, all those different things, and then have our opportunity to offer students the opportunity to come via scholarships. Um, the first thing that we've done uh, through CCON that I think is really exciting is that we've had the opportunity to break some silos. Typically, universities don't work together to do something um, like this, and we have the opportunity to uh, have east meets the west, if you will, where Syracuse University Falk College of Sport and Human Dynamics, and if you know Falk, that is the David the David Falk name uh, for uh, who was the infamous agent for um, who I think is the goat Michael Jordan, and um, also was the creator of Eric Jordans from that standpoint. So uh, David Falk was regarded as the most powerful man in basketball behind David Stern, and so having the opportunity to share a stage with him and on the East Coast and talk about CCON. Uh, we're bringing two really great brands together um, where we kind of hide in the background, but to really put, 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 pull something together that hasn't happened. Um, it's interesting because we've had other uh, conferences say, hey, look, we've had people try to just come to our conference and meet people because they don't, they can't meet anyone in sports. So they'll come to the G2E conference in Vegas or they come to CES and they're, and they're trying to have in-depth conversations, but they can't. And so we're proud to say that we can deliver that through CCON. Um, it's going to be at Virgin Hotels. UFC is already a sponsor. Um, there's a really, really good chance. Stan White would be a keynote, um, as well as Sandra Douglas Morgan for the Raiders. Uh, and just talk about the broad spectrum, and that's just scratching the surface, but the broad spectrum of what is sports, what is entertainment, that's the music, the film industry then what's the innovation that helps support that? And that's where CCON comes in at. So um, I think it's going to be really exciting. One is something that I, we've been planning for over two years. And now we got a six-month runoff uh, to July of this year. Uh, and we're going to do it during the same week of NBA Summer League. Um, the Virgin Hotels is where it's at. That is also the NBA Summer League headquarters. Um, while they're here, we've partnered with them. 
And when I say partner, we did our press announcement last July on NBA Summer League's Grand Stage uh, with about 100 plus people there for the press announcement. So there's a lot of excitement behind it. Uh, it's one of the first events um, that the, from a conference standpoint, that the city of Las Vegas is standing behind as well. And uh, I expect it to be, I, I won't tell you how many people I expect the first year. What I will tell you what I expect is a, a well-ran event that people can go in and say, I was educated, I collaborated, and there was some deal-making. That's the whole premise of CECON. I love that. That's awesome. And congratulations to you, Jay, on putting together an awesome conference. And I, I we all know it's going to be an amazing success. And um, I just, I'd love to hear it. So Megan, one, one question for you, and then I'm going to ask one more question for the both of you. So, you know, obviously you're working for this international brand with, uh, with F1. Um, you know, sort of what are your, what are your motivations every day when you're going into work? Um, what sort of, what sort of gets you out of bed? What sort of gets you going? Um, and may, maybe, maybe some of those things can translate to us and we can kind of hear your excitement through that. No pressure though. <laughs> uh, um, I mean, I think, I think for starters, I think one of the coolest things for me is again, like it's very rare in life and in sports in general, when you get an opportunities to be the first of something or whether it be the expansion of a team, a new stadium, a new event, any of those things. And so I think, you know, not taking those opportunities for granted because there's so many different things that you can learn. Um, and so again, for me, this opportunity and this job, like I've worked the hardest I've ever worked in my life, but I've also never felt the most rewarded after something or after a single event. Um, and so the amount that I've learned, the people that I've gotten to work with and kind of surround myself and I think for me, just like I learn something new every single day. And I think for me, that's very motivating. And I think also on a maybe not cheesier cornier side, but I'm the first person in my family to graduate from college and go to grad school. And so I hold myself very accountable for those things because I worked really hard to get to where I am. And I appreciate the opportunities that I've been awarded and like Deedon mentioned kind of at the beginning, there's so much more demand to work in sports because everyone thinks it's the coolest thing that you can do. And so it's nice because I've been in this industry for a long time. I've met really great people and I have, I've built up a really good reputation for myself. And so different opportunities as they come about. So I think just being able to take advantage of those opportunities and, and everything like that is kind of what pushes me forward. I don't know what I would do at this point if I didn't work in sports. Um, so I think for myself in general, it, I'm just a big motivator on my own just because I've worked really hard to get to where I'm at. Um, and I'm just appreciative of different opportunities and, and kind of what it took to get here. Um, and I don't shy away from the fact that I'm really lucky to work in the industry that I work in because there's, I feel kind of bad because sometimes I feel like I go to holidays and everyone only wants to talk about my job and I'm just like, does anyone else want to chime in with what, what everyone else is doing? Um, so I think it's cool too, because like my friends and my family are all super proud and um, love to like boast me up and talk to everyone about what I do on a day in and day out basis. So I don't take those things for granted as well, because not everyone has was maybe awarded the luxury to be able to go to grad school or to chase their dream to work in sports. And so just remembering that not everyone gets to do these things and not everyone gets to go to an F1 race or a Super Bowl or these big, huge events. Um, and so just trying to remember like how truly special that is um, and just try to make the most of it when I can. I love that. 
No, and I appreciate you sharing that. Um, you know, it's okay to be the coolest person in the room, Megan. So that's that's not a bad thing. <laughs> I love it. Um, I love the humility though, too. All right. So last question for the both of you. Um, obviously breaking into sports and entertainment and media is very, very difficult. Um, you know, folks spend money and time getting an education and internships and jobs trying to break in what sort of gets, uh, I guess maybe a better way to say this in terms of, you know, Megan, you talked about motivation, but I think Jay and Megan, what is the, what is the thing that sort of gets you through the difficult days, uh, in terms of when maybe things didn't work out your way and you kind of have to continue to have patience. I often share with people that want to get into this space that it's time. It's, it's, it's really just waiting it out. And, 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 and Megan, as you mentioned, being intentional, I think Jay, you mentioned the same thing. So let's close with that. Maybe Jay and then Megan, what's sort of the, what's the thing that kind of gets you through the difficult times or what are, maybe if you want to even share a story about it. So Jay, we'll start with you. Well, for me, I approach, uh, I, I approach this in my life like a football game, right? Um, you're not going to score on every play. It's just not going to happen. Um, you you hope you can. You wish that every time you touch the ball, I play running back, that you're gonna you know, you're gonna run down the field for 80 yards. It's not going to happen. And sometimes you got to grind that. You got to grind out that first down, and and you have to remember to get back up. So um, it's about being resilient. It's about trusting and uh, what you've learned from your mentors. It's about trusting what you learned from a class like this. And trusting in your ability and making sure that your core values are intact about what you're trying to accomplish. Um, you know, when you play a sport, you don't give up. That's the first thing you don't do. You keep fighting and you keep trying to figure out the best way to do things. And having that humility to ask for help, to ask questions, to figure out uh, what the next move or the next play can be. You just never know when that, when the hole is going to open up. And I'm just using a football analogy from that but you got to be prepared for the opportunity, right? So one of the things that Lou Holtzwell would say is that luck is when opportunity meets preparation. So continue to be prepared and, and trust in your preparation. If you worked hard, you listen hard, that's, that's important, and you're intentional in your approach, um, that so-called luck, you're going to be prepared for all the opportunities that you're going to be faced with. So that's really how I try to make sure I overcome different um, stress points and, and it happens. You're going to find yourself in times where you're like, man, this sucks. And you <laughs> still have to keep moving forward. <laughs> yeah. I love that. <laughs> it's true. There's no other way to put it. It sucks. <laughs> I love it. Okay. <laughs> Megan, uh, your closing thoughts on this. Yeah. I mean, I think Jay hit on a lot of them. And I think the other thing to remember is that it's okay to fail. You're going to do it multiple times over um especially like you're gonna come into your first job you're gonna accidentally reply all to an email that you're not supposed to reply all to you're gonna do you're gonna make mistakes and i think that's fine and i think the bigger the bigger lesson is what you take from that and what you learn from it um i think also and i i'm very bad at this because i'm not a very patient person but um i think you know obviously there's tons of demand and and tons of competition out there as you're coming out of school and so you know, take advantage of every opportunity that you can volunteer for everything that you can take advantage of your internships, make sure you leave a lasting, a lasting mark there and that people remember you. 
uh, for like the positive things, like go out of your way to network and to meet those people, but do it with intention. If you're, I think Jay said it best, like if you're going to be a mentor, be a good mentee also. Don't ask for help for someone if you're going to be lazy in your follow-up with asking for things. If you want to have an informational interview with someone, go into it with intention and good questions and know what you want to get out of it at the end of the day. Um, all of those things will kind of help build you along the line. And I think the biggest thing is just not to give up. I think, you know, it's easy to throw in the towel if you apply for multiple jobs and you keep getting that automated rejection letter that says, thanks for applying, but we're, you know, moving ahead with other candidates because that will happen, you know, 50, 100 times over. Um, and so just, you know, being tenacious with it and, and not giving up. And, and, you know, you may not get your dream job right out of college or two months out of college or two years out of college, um, but always just put an ear to the floor and look out for things. And again, just, you know, don't give up, I think is the, is my biggest piece of advice because it's not, it will be, it will be tough to ultimately get to where you want to go. And again, like I mentioned before, like don't shy away from opportunities that you think you might not be interested in, because at the end of the day, once you get your foot in the door in an organization, you can introduce yourself to people in marketing. If that's ultimately where you think that you want to get, you know, end up, if there's opportunities for you to, participate on a game day or help out when you're not normally supposed to be working and doing those kind of things, the more that you can shadow and be a sponge and absorb everything is just only going to ultimately help you in the long run. Um, but again, I think you guys are all doing yourselves a great first step by, you know, being involved in a program like this. And, you know, hopefully you guys will, you know, take that far in your career. But I think that'd be, be my advice. Awesome. I'll give you guys one more thing is, uh, is, is fear. Don't, don't let fear deter you from um, at least trying, right? So I've always looked at fear as false expectations of hearing real. So just break that word down a little bit, right? And I think if you look at fear that way, um, that should give you enough motivation to keep going forward. Um, you can't be scared of something that you don't know is around the corner, right? So just, just go forward and give it all you got. Love that. And what, what was the acronym again, Jay? Uh, just the word fear. It is false expectations of being real. Don't put false expectations on yourself. You Love know, that. Uh, let's not do that. Don't be afraid to, to take that first step. And I know it could be scary, but you just, you still got to go forward. There's no, I've had a mentor tell me there's no such thing as staying in the steel. Either you moving forward or you moving backwards. Amen. I love that. All right. Well, we'll leave that to be the last word. Uh, Megan and Jay, thanks so much for joining us. It's uh, It's been an absolute pr uh, pleasure. So thanks again. All right, folks. Again, that was uh, Megan Greer and um, Jay Vickers. Megan with uh, Formula One and Jay with uh, the Sports Innovation Institute at UNLV, uh, both based in Las Vegas and both just uh, put together two of the biggest sporting events in the last year. Uh, of course, there's just been a renaissance uh, in uh, in Las Vegas for sports. So, as always, appreciate you being with us. Thank you for making us the top-rated entertainment, media, and sports law podcast in the world. Look forward to being back with you next week. And this episode has been brought to you by Bet Online. Thank you so much. Yeah.